you're our guest today, let me say thanks for being here with us today. You're here on a special morning. Twice a year, this church uh, rallies together to raise funds for mission sites across the world and here in Memphis and here in this country. You just heard from Jerry Hill, who's at Timothy Hill Ranch, and that's one of the ministries that we support. And let me encourage you to stick around after this worship time during our Sunday school class time. You'll get to hear from Fern Hill, his wife, and about the tremendous work going on at Timothy Hill. But as you saw in that video, we also support international mission works. And these are, these are far away from us terms of miles, but they're close to our heart. And I look forward to sharing with you this morning about Papua New Guinea, and I'm joined by some brothers who recently made a trip to our mission location in Lay Papua New Guinea, and you're going to get to hear from them this morning as well. Let me say, if you don't have one of these brochures, we just got some new ones printed for this year. This lists all of those ministries that are supported by our outreach contribution next week. And so if you want to be reminded of where those ministries are at, who's leading those ministries, or if you're a guest and you just want to know what this church cares about, let me encourage you to go grab one of these. They're out in the commons on our uh, welcome table, that circular set of tables in the middle of the commons area. Let me start with a story that many of you know, but that some may be our guests and haven't heard it yet. It was 1970. Legendary missionary Joe Cannon was flipping through an old issue of National Geographic magazine. The magazine was actually from 1964. And in that that issue of National Geographic, he saw these pictures of tribesmen and women from Papua New Guinea, deep in the jungles and mountains of Papua New Guinea, tribesmen and women who had, had never heard the name Jesus. And anyone who remembers Joe knows that Joe is absolutely compelled by that reality to the ends of the earth. And so Joe and his wife began to pray about the people they saw in those photos, about the calling they felt towards Papua New Guinea. And a short time later, Joe wrote this poem about them and Papua New Guinea. He said this, There is someone out there waiting who has never heard of Christ. There is someone out there dying who must face eternal loss. Can I sit in easy comfort and ignore the plaintive cry? Can I live for self? and safety when the world's about to die? Can I turn from bloody Calvary and seek the easy way when he died for me and saved me, changing all my night today? No, I've got to face the issue of the work yet to be done. Yes, I've got to take my cross until the victory is won. So hold on, O oh child, in bondage, for the world is drawing nigh. You shall hear the gospel story, and no longer shall you die. Anybody who knows Joe or remembers Joe knows that he wasn't just a good poet. He was an incredible missionary. And shortly after writing this poem, he and his wife and family picked up and moved to Papua New Guinea about 50 years ago. By God's grace, by the persistence of Joe and others who came after him, by the, the work of Jab and Becky Mesa, who are now our missionaries there, and by the support of this church, that ministry continues these 50 years later. And in that time, the, Joe started what was called the School of Life in the 1970s that became what is today the Melanesian Bible College. And in that time, Melanesian Bible College has trained hundreds of men and women from all over the island of Papua New Guinea in that gospel story. And they have returned to start churches and spread that gospel story across the island of Papua New Guinea. So you all, this church has supported this mission work in Papua New Guinea for 50 years. And today I want to celebrate that with you. I'm going to commend you for your faithfulness in that. And I want you to know there's a return on your investment. 
okay? The work of God is doing tremendous things in Papua New Guinea, and today you're going to get to hear a little bit about it. Uh, To set the stage for what you'll hear from these three gentlemen beside me in just a moment, let, let me remind you of what precipitated their trip back in the summer of this year. Uh, a few years ago, we traveled to Papua New Guinea. This was 2017. And what was clear to us when we arrived was that the old and primary classroom and office building, which was built when Joe Cannon was there in the 70s, well, the tropical climate and the termites had kind of taken their toll on it. It was basically falling over. And uh, so Jab and Becky Mesa, our missionaries there, asked the Highland Church if they could take it upon themselves to begin raising funds to replace that classroom building. I'm so proud of Highland's leaders and elders because our Highland leadership said, not only can you start raising those funds, but that the Highland Church of Christ will match any funds you raise two to one, okay? So for every dollar given internationally to the Melanesian Bible College classroom construction project, we would give two. By God's grace and by your generosity last year in the outreach contribution, that building was completed in about May of this year. And we I'm, thank you for that. I mean, it's an incredible, incredible thing. And you're going to see pictures of it here in a moment. Okay, I want to I bring up Rain, uh, Rance Reagan first, who's going to share with us a little bit about Jab and Becky Mesa and the esteem that they are held in in Papua New Guinea. Rance? I'd like to, uh, first of all, say how thankful that I am to uh, be able to have been given the opportunity to to go. Um, This church helped in our support of of getting uh, to Papua New Guinea, uh, which is, uh, you know, fairly expensive and uh, a very long flight. And uh, we were there for uh, five or six days. And um, when we arrived in Ley, I interested to know what the culture was like and uh, how, you know, just how uh, the culture functioned. Uh, I would each morning go out, uh, just kind of leave uh, the home that we were staying in and the, the kind of a compound really where uh, Jab and Becky live. And I would just venture out and, uh, you know, see the people on their way to work, see the kids on their way to school. And, um, you know, I would just sit there and observe and and occasionally walk around a little bit. And uh, I didn't really feel that I was in any kind of danger, although as I looked around, I saw that there were... uh, you know, barbed wire, uh, even razor wire uh, around most of the uh, homes, uh, the businesses, um, hotels. And so it looked like, you know, I mean, in my mind, I thought, you know, I wonder how dangerous really it is to uh, live in this, you know, culture. And so um, most of the people were really friendly to me. They would, uh, you know, give double takes as uh, all the people drove by in the buses and stuff. And some people, as they walked past, they would say, they would see where I was and they would say, are you, you staying here? And I would, you know, tell them yes. And then they would just smile and and proceed on their way. And so, um, after, uh, a few days of doing that, uh, Ruth Zimmerman, who, was one of our hosts. She's a missionary there as well. And uh, Jab and Becky learned that, you know, I was kind of going off of the property by myself. And they, uh, they 
expressed a bit of concern about that, and they said, well, Rance, if, you, if you're wanting to go uh, walking, you know, get some exercise or whatever, we'll be glad to have our son accompany you. His name is Abraham, and uh, he has three beautiful little daughters, and so the next day, Abraham came up to me and he said, uh, Mr. Rance, would you like to go for a walk? And I said, well, sure, let's go. And so as we were walking uh, through the neighborhood, we probably walked a couple of miles. I asked him, I said, well, Abraham, uh, you know, is, is crime a big problem here in your country? And he said, yeah, really, it is. It's a real big problem. And he said, you know, with, with so few resources, uh, the people are just kind of living um, daily existence is, uh, you know, it's hard to even survive. And so um, I said, well, you know, does that present any, any real danger for you guys? And he said, well, uh, he said, you know, mom and dad have been here for uh, quite a long time and, uh, and they've helped so many people in the community and they've, um, their efforts to proclaim the gospel to all the people in the area. And so they're pretty well off limits in regard to uh, the criminal element. And in fact, even are being protected, you know, by those who uh, uh, would uh, be sort of lawless, you know, in, in their activities. And so that was just a testimony to me of what kind of regard, what high esteem that uh, the people in that country have for Jab and Becky. And if you would see, and some of you have, uh, see the, the love and, um, that Jab and Becky have for the Lord and their, uh, their feeling that uh, you know, God is directing their every step, uh, then you would see how the people uh, come to that uh, feeling about them. So uh, that's just one story of many uh, that uh, I could share, but uh, gives you an idea as to, you know, Jab and Becky's reputation there. Thanks, Rance. Yes, when I was uh, in Papua New Guinea two years ago and watching Jab and Becky move um, among the people in Papua New Guinea, I was reminded of the movie The Godfather because they, they have this, this tremendous respect. And it's not because they've got henchmen out doing their dirty work. You know, it's because they're, te they're, they're telling a story that has profound implications, the gospel story. Now think about what the gospel has meant in your life. And in Papua New Guinea, it, is, it, 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 it matters, um, I won't say in a, in a more significant way, I would just say in a slightly different way. Because of course the story is a story of God's Grace And what Randy Gaddy is going to come up and share is something he learned about that word, grace, in Papua New Guinea. And I think you'll find it interesting. Randy? Thank you, Eric. So a picture that you've seen, and one of the reasons why we were there, is to witness the grand opening of the school. What is being done in that school? Obviously, they're bringing those in from the community, shooting them back out into the community. Um, the language in which is being taught there is pigeon. I found it interesting that pigeon only has about 8,000 plus words in it. Ruth Zimmerman, who is a Canadian that works there that has been there for 20 plus years, she was talking about the vision for the school to bring about conversational English. The need for that was realized in me when she gave me an example of a word that they don't have in pigeon and the word grace. 
She said, we actually don't have a word for that in Pigeon. That just hit me like a ton of bricks because I know how important the gospel is an understanding grace, peeling back the layers of what grace does, God's grace for us, and how it's going to sustain us once we accept the gospel. When she mentioned that, long story short, it was my call to action to be a part, prayerfully, financially, and physically when able. Thank you for what you do. Please be in prayer about the forthcoming division of conversational English because it's going to be needed. There's still a lot of souls that needs to be shared the gospel there. They need to know about God's grace and the Christians that are currently there will still need to know more how God's grace is going to sustain them and give them hope. Thank you. Think about that for a second. Think about what the term grace has meant in your life. The idea that God has given you something you did not earn and something you cannot pay back, right? Grace, this gift of God. Think about what that has meant in your life. It's, it's not only kind of this, the story you love, it is, it is also the story you live out because next week when we give $290,000, it's going to be an act of grace. We are gonna be giving without expecting something in return. And think about the fact that Papua New Guinea has no term for, for grace for a second. And how important it is then that we are introducing this gospel story of grace at the Melanesian Bible College. Jimmy Atkins, one of our shepherds, is going to come and share about how he has seen that story of God's grace at work in one of the lives in the church there at NBC. Well, as Eric mentioned, uh, Highland's relationship with the Melanesian Bible College goes back over 50 years, back to the 1970s. While visiting there this last summer, it uh, was not uncommon to hear stories and see pictures of family members spanning more than one generation. So the young student in the old dated photo is now an older believer, perhaps uh, a teacher or one of the local church leaders. Today that same person may have a son or daughter who has been or is currently attending the school. These stories of continuity and faithfulness uh, serve as testimony that God is raising up faithful, mature servants in that country. Gilmore Gabori is one such individual. Gilmore's father, Robin, was appointed a school board member back in 1996 when Gilmore was only a teenager. And he served in that position all the way up until this last year. Today, Gilmore is about 40 years old. He has a lovely Christian wife, Rachel, and two young children. As his father stepped down from the board position, he assumed the same board position. Gilmore and his family are active leaders in the local church there that meets there on the campus. By trade, Gilmore is an architect and contractor, so he designed the building that you see, and he supervised its construction. And to keep costs down, he patiently and diligently supervised NBC students and teachers and local members in its construction. 
He sacrificed much time and money to see its completion. You know, while many of the Christians there in Papua New Guinea are still steeped in the culture, which means uh, they equate that with prestige and power, Gilmore exemplifies the gospel in his humility, in his selfless giving, and with no expectation for repayment. Back in 2017, one of Jab's sons, Abraham, uh, fell ill and had a major surgery, and Gilmore graciously covered that cost for them. This is just another example of the many ways he and Rachel have come alongside Jab and Becky and have provided support, encouragement, and fellowship. I mentioned earlier that Gilmore and Rachel have two children, and they are being taught the Bible, and they are seeing living examples in their parents. I'm certain God has plans for them as they grow and mature in their faith. In Gilmore, I see a real servant committed to kingdom work in Papua New Guinea. This work that started over 50 years ago by Joe Cannon and Highland, now deeply rooted and flourishing. Thanks. Thanks, Jimmy. So as I think about that legacy of Joe Cannon, and his family starting the mission work in Papua New Guinea 50 years ago. I think about Jab and Becky who are continuing that work, and I think about you all, this church, who are supporting that work and that new, that new building. I'm reminded of 1 Corinthians 3 where we find this, by the grace, there's that word, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. Someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. And if what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. You can leave that scripture up for just a second. I want everybody to have a have a chance to look at it. Because of course, there is a literal parallel for us when it comes to Papua New Guinea and Paul here in Corinth. So Corinth had Paul, the one who pioneered the gospel story there. And we have Joe in Papua New Guinea, the one who pioneered the gospel message on that island. And now these 50 years later, that work continues. We are building on that work, that foundation that Joe laid in Jesus Christ. And we're not we're not just building through the work of Jab and Becky there in the Melanesian Bible College training and sending out preachers and ministers all over the island. We're not only building through our support financial that, that sustains that ministry month to month, but we, we literally built something this last year. And we didn't build it with, with wood and straw and hay. That's what got us in trouble last time with the termites. We built it with steel. And I dare those termites to try this building, right? Like it is going to stand up. There is a literal parallel to what Paul's talking about here in Corinth in us in Papua New Guinea. But he's also talking about something that's spiritual and mysterious and worth considering for just a moment. You've got to read this passage in light of what Paul says just before using a different metaphor. He says this, so neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. So if I was going to ask you who's growing God's kingdom, you would say what? God. Who's building God's kingdom? God is building 
God's kingdom and praise God for that. But you and I are not called to sit idle because of that work. What we are called to do is to build for God's kingdom. What Paul says in this passage is spiritual and mysterious, but it's this. What we build for God's kingdom, not for ourselves, what we build for God's kingdom will last eternally. That when the fires of judgment day come, what those fires will do is only reveal the essence of what we built in this life for God's kingdom and that those things will last forever. Larry McKenzie often says this. He says that when Highlanders stand before God on judgment day, when you and I stand before God on judgment day, he's going to look at us and we're going to be really nervous. And so we're going to point to Papua New Guinea. We're going to say, God, we did that. And that ministry really mattered. And it does. It really matters. What's happening there will matter eternally. So will you help us next week as we gather together, as we plan together and dream together, and we build for God's kingdom together next week? We're going to raise $290,000. If you're our guest, come back next week. You don't need to bring your pocket, but just come and see how generous this church is and join us in building for God's kingdom together. Can we stand and sing together? Holy, holy are you, Lord. The whole earth is filled with your glory.